This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by DuPont. Together, we can feed the world. DuPont commits 60% of its R&D dollars toward this goal. From working with farmers and growers around the world to help increase crop yields, to developing a wide range of packaging materials that enable food to be transported without spoilage. We're working every day to get food to more people. Providing for the needs of a growing population will help developing countries prosper and foster economic growth around the world. Welcome to the Global Collaboratory. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Congressman Steve King, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, thanks for having me on, Ken. I appreciate it. The House went through its markup on the Ag Bill, and I wonder if you, after that marathon session, would give your opinion or overview of what took place. Well, at first, I think that it was a stellar performance on the part of the chairman of the committee, Frank Lucas, uh, to manage his way through over 100 amendments in the geographical and the political contention that emerged in the committee. And uh, it attested to the work that he and uh, Ranking Member Colin Peterson of Minnesota did to prepare the groundwork. And then the, the substance of the bill itself, the biggest thing, of course, is the elimination of direct payments, which we knew was coming. It's not news, but it is important. And uh, then uh, some, of the, uh, uh, some of the overhaul, the risk management tools that are there, I think streamlines the farm bill and better prepares it for the, for the ag of the future. And um, then, of course, uh, I'm going to tell you that I believe the most significant amendment offered, uh, not going to be a surprise to tell you that I believe it was uh, one that I offered, and uh, that's the Interstate Commerce Amendment, which puts the stops to, uh, let's say, the Humane Society of the United States, HSUS, they and other animal rights groups, uh, I'll say preying on the sympathies within the states to pass referendum that would regulate the means of production of our agriculture products from a single state, but requiring that of all states who would say, like Iowa, the number one egg-producing state, would be exporting eggs to California. They had set up trade protectionism by requiring a cage size. Uh, we put a stop to that without amendment. We put a stop also to the requirements that uh, hogs be raised in gestation crates, or I mean out of gestation crates, sows, and sows uh, prohibited from being in gestation crates, and an end to the regulation that you can't have uh, calves in stalls for veal, and you know, feeding ducks and geese for foie gras liver, and the list goes on of these things that the states have done that inhibit our producers. So it was, uh, it was a strong debate and a strong vote. Uh, my amendment passed 33 to 13. Uh, the California delegation almost universally lined up against it because they have those egg regulations they're seeking to impose on the rest of the country. So that was, uh, that was something that I think it has far-reaching implications and if this language can stay in the bill all the way through to the president's desk, then we will not see referendums from other states that were affecting the production of ag products in, in, in our state or in states outside. The states will still be able to regulate if they like. California can regulate their producers. They just can't regulate other producers. So that's the, that was, I think, the biggest amendment and the one that had the most impact. Overall, also, we reduced the the uh, spending in the SNAP program, the food stamp program, by about $20.5 billion by uh, just programming changes so that the people that are the neediest will get the resources and those that aren't, aren't so needy aren't going to be as easy for them to qualify. It's a lot of money that's been changed around in this bill, Ken. 
Let me ask you about north versus south. It appeared that although many people are losing direct payments, southern producers are benefiting uh, by continuing some payments that they have. Are you willing to accept that? Well, I did, and I understand that there's a delicate balance that was brought together here, and that's part of the artful nature of uh, moving the delegate or moving the negotiations around. We've been at this now for probably a year and a half, and there were a lot of changes that were written into the bill that uh, by negotiation, and I and I believe that ending direct payments in that way and being able to get a I'll say a more than respectable reduction in the food stamp side of this is um, we pushed it as far as we could push it. And in my my ideal world, we would have the crop insurance premiums better reflect the risk. In Iowa, they pretty much do. In other states, it gets, starts to get distorted. And same with some of the risk management tools that are out there. But we understand that there's strong Southern interests on the Ag Committee, and particularly in the Senate, and I think that's part of the consideration, Ken. Let me ask you about food versus farm. Definitely there were some people on the committee who really held only one goal, and that's keep food and nutrition title where it is, if not increasing it. And they were large in number, and they were quite vocal and passionate in what they said. Well, they were, and it was led by Jim McGovern of Massachusetts. He has multiple times gone to the floor and, and during a special order time and spent uh, 30 minutes uh, in each of those increments telling us why we shouldn't reduce food stamp money in any way that He's accused us. Of course, you know this is going to happen. I, I was told this um, however many years ago that was when I first swore in as a member of the Iowa Senate uh, that I stopped in the middle of the aisle and I was informed, you will be accused now of freezing old folks and starving babies. Um, that's the dialogue. Of course, the LIHOOP discussion didn't come into it, so we were just accused of starving babies. And, of course, that's not going to be the case. But it was a very intensive liberal effort. It looked like the committee on the Democrat side is increasingly filled uh, with urban Democrats that are bent upon expanding a, a transfer. It's actually a, it's a wealth transfer or an income transfer. You tax people that produce and you send that money uh, to those to people that are, you know, that are more dependent upon government. It's to their political benefit to do that. That's what Barack Obama asked for. He's, he's I think, willfully working to expand the dependency class in America, and I said so during the debate on food stamps, and that's, that's their agenda. And so we have, uh, we have a nation that's become a cradle-to-grave welfare state, and uh, the a typical household that's headed by someone with, a, let's say, is a, uh, doesn't have a high school degree will draw down about $46,000 a year in benefits, pay around $11,000 in taxes, and have a net, in, net gain of about $35,000 to that household in means-tested welfare benefits. Uh, you start to wonder why people work for a moderate wage when the government will pay them so much not to, and that's part of what that debate was on the food stamps, Ken. In the few moments we have left, perhaps you could answer what you think is going to be challenged on the floor. How about the dairy provision? The Rules Committee will, will decide on that, but I expect that there will be a challenge on the floor. I, you know, I know that that, that uh, some of those that, that want to have the, the, let me say, Colin Peterson on his, on his dairy plan, I expect that's likely to come, and there will be a long debate on that. But I just think there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of urban interests that aren't particularly engaged in that. That's likely to come down closer to party line vote rather than a policy or a, an issue vote. So we'll see what happens with that. And uh, then... The direct payments, I don't think that changes. I don't think anybody brings that. They will, I believe, challenge my amendment on the floor. 
And uh, that's likely to be the biggest fight of the markup, in my opinion, uh, with the exception of the effort to expand the food stamp piece. Congressman King, what about the sugar program? It seems to be very different than the others that are within the bill. How did it survive this go-around? Well, it it survives, uh, I I think, on the strength of the part of its geography, and, and part of it is the protectionism that exists for the sugar production in the rest of the world. It's when you look at the global markets and see the countries that produce sugar and the way they subsidize and manipulate the markets, it puts our U.S. sugar producers at a at a significant disadvantage. And it's something that I believe we've got to take that apart and start looking at it again when we get another bite at this apple in five years. But the sugar producers are, are at a distinct disadvantage because other states or other countries are so so much manipulating the markets and subsidizing their sugar. And one of the, the most extreme that I recall and Cuba's fallen off of the list of major sugar producers, but I recall a distortion in their product down there. There was a time when sugar was worth six cents a, a pound on the global market, and the Russians were sending them 52 cents a worth of oil for every six cents worth of sugar. That's that's the worst distortion I've seen, but it exists in uh, in percentages of 30 and 40 percent around the world. Congressman, last thing, you may be the chair of the Ag Committee the next time the Farm Bill comes up. Do you expect the composition of the committee to change? And if so, uh, how do you think it will be put together by that time? That's interesting. Um, I just suspect, of course, I looked at those faces around that committee for, was it 12 12 or so hours here, and um, I was a little bit surprised at some of the composition of the committee that's changed so far. And so I don't know if I can predict what that would be, except the trend that I've seen is this, that, we used to have some some pretty good ag uh, ag area Democrats, and most of them were blue dog Democrats. Those 53 or so that were for a balanced budget, and they would raise taxes to help balance that and cut some spending to balance it. You could do business with people like that, and uh, most of those are now gone from the committee. Uh, they aren't all gone. There's a couple of them left, and but I, if it's moving more towards urban, and if Colin Peterson stays and uh, Mike McIntyre stay. That's at least we've got uh, you know some voices that uh, we can reason with and negotiate with. But if the people end up on the other side of the committee and their sole purpose is to expend the transfer of wealth from uh, I'll say the producers to the to their urban areas through the food purpose of food stamps, that means there's going to be a lot less focus on risk management, a lot less support for ag production. And but on our Republican side, I, I was encouraged that I think we're actually stronger on the ag production side than we've been in the past. And if that trend continues uh, and we hold a majority, we should be in pretty good shape to mark up the next farm bill five years from now. And we'll see who's holding the gavel when the time comes, Ken. Congressman Steve King, thank you very much for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Thank you. I appreciate the chance. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by DuPont. Together, we can feed the world. Welcome to the Global Collaboratory. I'm Ken Root.